When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, this is Robbie Don. I'm coming to you live from sunny Spain, and you're listening to Barca Talk. Today on Barca Talk, FC Barcelona's pitiful performance and loss to Granada CF has the supporters shaken, some calling for the sacking of Ernesto Valverde again, but the situation will have to get even worse than it is now for the current board to take such a step. We have full match reviews of that loss and the Champions League draw with Borussia Dortmund. We're previewing the midweek match with Villarreal, and we have good news from the women's team and an update on Barca B. All right, this is Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson in Buffalo, New York, and joining me as always is Gabriel Quiroga in Madrid. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. It's doom and gloom over here, man, in Spain. (laughs) And in Buffalo as well, (laughs) at least in my house. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's after a while, you just realize that like this is this was this was bound to happen. Yeah. I mean, are we are we surprised anymore? I mean, it's just I'm not. I mean, that's the thing. We watch these guys every week, every game we watch and. You could just see this this slide Correct. has been happening, particularly on the road. Uh, once we once we crunch those numbers, what last week or week before, it's becoming painfully obvious that Barca's away form is is very poor right now. I didn't expect it to be this bad, but obviously, uh, folks, we're talking about the loss to Granada over the weekend, and we will have a full match review of that boondoggle uh, <laughs> later on in the show. But just to get things started. I I just I think we need to get one or yeah. two things off our chests right now. Yeah, definitely. Just to ease the pressure a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, today I spent most of my afternoon before we were recording watching all the YouTubers that I follow and also the sports report here. And it's just, you know, Mr. Mr. Valverde, man, it's just something else, man. He's just something else. Yeah. He certainly is. <laughs> and well, okay, so here's the the uh, interesting stat about this season's start so far is that this is the worst start to La Liga Barcelona have had since the 94-95 season. And that was under Cruyff. Mm-hmm. That was with Cruyff, yep. uh, still with a lot of great players, dream team players, including Pep, Stoichkov, Chichi, Baquero, Kuman, mm-hmm. but they just they ended that season in fourth place in La Liga. They were knocked out of the Copa del Rey in the round of sixteen. They were knocked out of the Champions League in the quarterfinals. It was overall uh, a a pretty bad year. I mean, I think there's a lot of correlation with that team and this team in that our superstars are on the twilights now, starting. You know, they're kind of sliding down, and we're just in a really transition period. And I guess. We just didn't realize that the transition period was going to come this soon, I guess. You know, we're just not being prepared for it because, you know, with the likes of PK, 
Suarez, you know, Busquets, these great players. You know, if you compare them to Pep and Stoichkov in that era, in the 94-95, you know, 94 Stoichkov had a great year, you know. But when you are with a coach, especially like Croy, for four or five years, the message wears thin after a while. It just does in professional sports more than anything. And so I can see a lot of correlation with that. And again, you know, I'm a body language doctor. And last night, right. man, on the sports report here today, they did a five-minute segment on as soon as the goal went down and they focused on every player's reaction. And mm. again, as we talked about, you know, we, you know, Messi has become a better captain, but we don't have that fire starter on the team. Yeah, but what about PK? Because he was captaining this one. Yeah, I know. And but I mean, he didn't do anything. That's the point. No, you know? and and the exactly. Thing, and the thing is, you know, we you know we talk about all these little things that that add up to it. You know, the coaching, the tactics, the motivation, the the ability to have someone pushing you behind you. You know, those all these things add up to it. But again, Granada came out. You know, they're right now we're recording. They're leaders in La Liga, and they're not yeah. a pushover. You know. They outcoached no. us, they out-efforted us, and they had a really clear plan of what they were going to do. And Brian, this is the, the trend of the last five months. We haven't won a road game in five months, you know? And yeah. the thing is, every team knows the book on Barca, and we have never adapted since, you know, we continue to fall into the same trap. Just look at Osasuna, look at Valladolid last year, look at this match this year, and it's the same thing. And it's really difficult because we see it <laughs> watching yep. TV and there's just no adjustments. Yeah, no adjustments. One thing I was telling Megan about it was that, you know, Granada came out and they knew what they were about. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. Exactly. Right. The Particularly when they're on the road. And I think it's also true to some degree when they're at home, but they just have that camp new advantage. But right now, Barca does not know what they're about. Exactly. Exactly. And Granada absolutely knows what they're about and... And they they brought it, and so we um, we are going to get into more detail. Like I said, we're, we'll do that uh, more towards the end of the show. That'll be the last segment of the show. Sure. But yeah, I just wanted to wanted to yeah. ease the tension a little bit and let let everyone know <laughs> we're alive. Yes, we're paying attention. Correct. We know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and we I mean, feel for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just la I was tweeting this last night. It's like uh, two things were more exciting than the match for me last night. My Domino's Pizza pizza tracker and <laughs> just watching the tweets. I was just watching the tweets of everyone just being so frustrated. I mean, to me, that was more aesthetically pleasing than, than what was on the field. And again, you know, we're frustrated because we know the team has talent and we want the team to succeed. And that's why we're just so, you know, La Liga right now is, is so up for grabs right now. And especially we're recording this before the Sevilla-Real Madrid match. And if Sevilla win... Zizou could be out of a job, man. So, you know, this La Liga season is really topsy-turvy. There's a lot of good teams that are surprising at the moment. But again, the top teams are not performing. And so right. that's what's really difficult. We, you know, we're it looks like we're still going through preseason. Yeah, yeah. And part of that has to do with some of the players who are still coming back from injury, most notably Messi, sure. right? This is only his second game back from injury. And he's he looks like he's going through his own preseason right now. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, you know, here in the news today and also in the newspapers, it's just, you know, hands up emoji, you know, like everyone knows this has been happening every past road game. So it's not a surprise. And again, you know, the insanity thing, right? It's like you keep banging your head to do the same thing and trying to get the results. So, you know, people here, um, you know, the good thing is that the Real Madrid is playing tonight. And if they lose, 
they take the pressure off Barca. And I don't know if that's good or bad, you know? It's kind of a weird thing because obviously as our rival, we want them to see them lose. But at the same time, there is no pressure really on Valverde in the press. And so that's another thing to talk about, you know, in another episode or whatever. But it's just crazy that he has all this good credit and they don't ask for him to get fired, you know, in the press. It's pretty crazy. Right. Well, let, let me let's just put that on the back burner sure. for now. And we'll we'll bring that back up to the front burner later on. For now, let's look ahead. Let's look forward. This is going to be on Tuesday against Villarreal, La Liga match day six in the Camp Nou. And let's uh, let's scout Villarreal here a little bit because uh, they finished La Liga in 14th place last year. So all they really need to be worried about is the league and the Copa del Rey. They have no European commitments. So far, they've lost only one game this season, 2-0 to Levante. They've drawn against Granada and Real Madrid, and defeated Leganes and Valladolid. And their manager, Javier Calleja, he has been managing at the club since 2015, starting with under-19s, then the B team, then the first team, starting in the 2017-18 season. And I I mean, I have to say, something like that reminds me, I wish we had a little bit more of that going on at Barcelona. I Like, we have this great players academy, I almost wish we had a stronger manager-slash-coaching academy but that's a bit of an aside if you want to pick up on that feel free to if you don't just let it lay there (laughs) Uh, now Villarreal they have been playing a variety of formations this season including a 4-3-3 a 4-2-3-1 and a 4-4-2 and here's the worst part they have a better scoring record than Barca 12 goals scored only 8 conceded while Barca have scored 12 but they've conceded 9 and their top goal scorer is Gerard Moreno former Espanol rival and they also have the journeyman, Santi Casorla, with two goals. And then this new signing from Sporting Gijón this year, young guy, he's 25, named Moy Gomez, also with two goals. They're going to be on the road. We're going to be at home. So there is a bit of an advantage there. But Villarreal have a lot going for them coming into this match. Never mind our deficiency. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, you know, again, I love Santi Casorla. He's, he's the, the legend of Spanish football. But, uh, you know, it's interesting to see the different formations. You know, I would love that that was our scouting report. Yeah. You know, 4 3 3 It's just, it means what that shows to me is that the, the manager, Javier, is adapting the tactics for the specific match, you know, to put his personnel to find gaps and voids, you know, and that is what you have to do now in modern football. Yeah, I would be definitely more worried if this was another road game. But again, with our t- with our two previous home performances, I think it's more about what we do rather than what Villarreal is going to bring. But I could definitely see a goal fest, Brian, because of just how many goals we both allow. Right, true. But, you know, here's the funny thing. They've only run a 4-3-3 once uh, so far. Mm. And that was in their away win 3-0 over Leganes. Oh, gosh. So I feel like Calleja is very aware and sensitive to the opponent and making adjustments when they're on the road to get a good result. For sure, for sure. I mean, this goes again, you know, no one is scared of Barcelona anymore. The teams are happy to give us possession because they know we're not going to really do anything, you know, with with the attack. So again, if they come in a 4-3-3, you know, that's really going to put pressure on our corners again. And especially after seeing the performances of our backs last night, Again, that's that's I I could see something like four three in this match or five four not five four but four three you know because of just the lack of defense and also just the you know the back and forth that Villarreal is willing to play 
at the Camp Nou. Yeah. And I haven't watched this uh, Moy Gomez kid play yet. I just looked at his uh, headshot on uh, transfermarket.com. And I got to say, if I were going to be like a Spaniard for Halloween, uh-huh. I would try and look exactly like this guy. He's got, <laughs> he's got he's got like the pointy beard going on. Like if uh-huh. I were going to if I were going to dress up as like Cervantes uh-huh. for Halloween, which I would totally do because I love Cervantes and I love Don Quixote. Yeah, that's it. He's like Don Quixote <laughs> in a 25 year old footballer. Mm, mm. He's great. So I'm I'm interested to see him play. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I mean it's, I mean, what does it say that I'm more excited to see this Villarreal <laughs> player play than I am any one of ours? Well, this is the thing, you know, I mean again, it's it's just frustrating because, you know, normally in this type of match, we would be, okay, this is this is the type of goal where we get healthy. You know, mm-hmm. we, we're gonna win five one, we're gonna pad some stats, we're gonna have fun playing, we're gonna go Tiki Taka, we're gonna run over this team in previous seasons, you know, and now it's it's a, it's it's a coin flip, man. It's it's fifty fifty, and it's and it's because we have no style, they have a style, so that already is very dangerous, you know. And again, these teams, every player that's playing against Barcelona wants to showcase, and so they're always going to bring their A game, you know. During the season, most of these players are average or above average compared, you know, to other La Liga players. But when they play against Barca and Madrid, they really bring their game and so we're always going to get their best punching you know their best puncher's chance and so i'm just you know every game now i'm i'm worried you know because i don't know what's going to happen and until i see more games that we are trending upwards i can only be nervous about this game and this game you know especially with our coaching tactics of lack thereof you know this can go either way and it's going to be a difficult match again it's especially after midweek what is the crowd going to react to you know, right. especially if we give up an early goal, yep. like that is that is all these things that are going to happen. And especially midweek games in Barcelona are really difficult to fill up the stadium because it's work. You know, it's going to be there's not as much tourists. And so there could be a really interesting kind of dynamic as well in that match. Yeah. And it, it's just going to be a difficult season. There's yeah. no way around it yeah. at this point. I, uh, you know, um, a rocky start two three matches. OK, fine. But, you know, now we're. We're five matches in, good results at home, very poor results on the road, um, injuries still mm-hmm. creating problems, and a clear kind of lack of top-down um, agreement and focus from the board to the manager to the team, all kinds of problems. And it's, um, you know, aging squad members, all of these things, it's going to be a very difficult season, no matter what. And it certainly doesn't help that we're going into match day six in eighth place already. Yeah. And again, you know, these guys in Villarreal, you know, they, they score a lot of goals so far. And again, they're not going to be scared. And with Santi leading them, who's a really good playmaker, it's going to be difficult. You know, our midfield is in shambles right now. Yeah. And we, even though we have possession, we're not doing anything with it. It's like the players have never played with each other. And with Villarreal, with Osasuna, with Granada, these midfielders are are just outclassing us in specific moments of the match, and they are converting on goals. Yep, and we're just lucky that we have Ter Stegen between the exactly. six. It could be a lot worse if exactly. not for him. Exactly. I mean, he's definitely the MVP, you know? Yeah. And, you know, this is kind of one of the things that I wish that Ter Stegen would bite to all the players and just kind of get them going because... Someone needs to light a fire on this team. Someone, you know, obviously it's not going to be Valverde. 
we're seeing that it's not going to be messy. I'm surprised it's not Suarez, you know, especially with his personality. But again, this match is going to be difficult. Like I said, it's it's a three day turnaround midweek, and you know, thank God they're at home. But again, we have to get points. You know, we we lost a chance to get points this past weekend, but we have to get three points this this Tuesday. This Tuesday. Yeah, there's really no uh, no ifs ands or buts about it. But well, you know, we'll see what happens, and uh, of course, we'll be talking about whatever does happen. Uh, so let's uh, just slightly shift to uh, talking about something that's fun for us, because prior to this is funny. Prior to the match on Saturday, I was working on this this new design for a T-shirt and a coffee mug to put into our merch store. And it was a really well-intentioned, well-meaning idea. And it's a cool-looking design. I'm still really happy with it. Uh, but it's all of the names of the current roster in in the uh, the new typeface, the new font that you see on the on the Barca jerseys, the home kit. I, uh, I got a hold of that typeface, so it's in that typeface. And you, so you have all the players' names. Uh, and in the shirt form, all the player names are on this kind of block that's uh, put together not unlike some things that you might see at like uh, La Sagrada Familia or some other Gaudi spots in Barcelona, um, at least the way I think about it. And then on the back, you've got uh, you've got a number, 19, not 19. <laughs> 19. <laughs> so anyway, it's it's a it's a fun, cool design that I like, and we have that now in the uh, in in our merch store. But after this. After this result over the weekend, I'm I'm thinking, yeah, not too many people are going to be so excited to get one of those. But still, I think it's a cool shirt, and I think you're at some point you're gonna want one. I mean, can we start putting some lines across names? You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's a really. We could cool send di- you some tape. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and just be like, no thanks, no thanks, yeah. <laughs> fuera, you know. Um, <laughs> No, you sent you sent me the pictures and you're like, what do you think? And I was like, wow, these are amazing. They're really cool. And like we were talking before, I didn't know what the one nine was at first because I was multitasking. I was like, what does this one nine mean? Does it mean 19 <laughs> players? 19th man? And I was like, you're an idiot. Fucking season, you know? And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 No, but it's really so, cool. I really I really like it. And uh I look forward to having my coffee bug. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and send you one. Um, also, I I made a, a new variation on our best-selling We Have Messy, You Don't t-shirt, uh, which is basically just, um, I changed the color. Mm. It's the same design, I just changed the color to like a solid yellow on a black t-shirt, just because it's, I don't know, I think it looks cool. Mm. <laughs> that inform, That is what informs my design decisions, <laughs> is, does it look cool? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, the new one, I made that in three different colors, so there's like yellow, that you can get on a number of different colored shirts. And then I also have a blue and a red that you can get with different colored shirts. So, you know, you can choose which text color you want and which shirt color you want. We have a lot of variations there if you're into that. And then the mug is just yellow text on a black mug. It's super tough looking. So yeah. if you want your coffee to be intimidating, this <laughs> is the mug for you. Yeah, you, you've done a great job with the design. So I do love the the messy t-shirt as well. So I'm going to have to think of another tagline that we can... We can uh make a merch for well we lucked into that one but pretty soon one day you know in a year <laughs> two three who knows yeah yeah we color, uh, we won't we, have messy anymore yeah yeah we color beige something like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> we color football beige <laughs> but i do have i do have an idea for a shirt once uh once messy decides to leave barca mm. whenever that happens you know okay. but I, I have an idea already but sign up to receive our newsletter which will now be delivered once a week to your email inbox 
we have highlights from recent episodes, articles from the website, and discount codes for the Barca Talk store. So if you want any of that new merch, sign up for the newsletter and you can get a discount on it. That's only going to be available in the newsletter. Just drop us a line on the contact page at barstatalk.net to be added to the mailing list. All right. Well, you know, Gabriel, on the upside, it's not all bad news. It's not. It's not. It's not all bad news because even though the men's first team is in a, a sorry state right now, the women's team is riding high on a 6-1 defeat of the reigning champions, the Spanish champions, and Barca's biggest nemesis, really, Atletico Madrid. They played on Saturday prior to the men's team playing Granada, and this was at home at the Johan Cruyff Stadium. And Atleti scored early in the second minute, but Barca responded by swarming them in the midfield, and then Jenny Hermosa leveled it with a penalty kick after Atleti defender Aisatu Tunkara handled the ball in the box, like really obviously, denying Oshuala a goal-scoring opportunity. And then Mariona put Barca ahead, scoring on the rebound off the bar after another great chance for Oshuala. Then Atleti defender Kenti Robles scored an own goal when defending a free kick. And Oshuala finally got her goal on a really well-worked play. The key pass was coming from our new winger, uh, Norwegian, I believe, Caroline Graham Hansen. And I think she was a really good get for the team. She seems to be doing really well. And that was all in the first half. So they were up 4 nothing at the interval. Um, the club's own summary of the match describes the second half as a Barca monologue. <laughs> Apparently, Atleti were just not in it at all in the second half. Tunkara was sent off for a second yellow. The game was already won, but it was really just a question of how many more goals Barca would score. And the answer was two. <laughs> Oshuala scored her second after chasing down this long pass into space in the wing. And she set herself up for the goal beautifully with a clinical finish. And then Atleti midfielder Silvia Musaguer gave up an own goal, another own goal. And that finally put it at 6-1, the final scoreline. So the Femini are going into their second leg in the Champions League against Juventus this week. They won the first leg 2-0 in Turin. And now Juventus are coming to the Estadio Johan Cruyff. The Barca women have already scored 15 goals in that stadium, their new home, in only two games there. Yeah, I mean, I watched this match and it was, uh, it, it made me happy, you know, because, you know, for the lack of tactical vision and attacking chances that the men have been doing, the women are the opposite right now. For me, this season so far, they made huge upgrades, improvements to the roster. And the other thing too, Brian, they're not playing scared anymore. Against Atleti the last couple of seasons, they were kind of timid. You know, they were kind of trying to figure it out if they deserve to be at that level type of thing. You know, when you're kind of matching wits with a nemesis or a rival. Mm -hmm. And I think this match was huge because now 6-1, you know, they, these women should not be intimidated by Atleti anymore. You know, they can definitely go to the Wanda or, you know, when they play at the Wanda to be able to put up good performance. And not only that, but do really well again in the Champions League. And this is without Martins in the lineup. And again, to me... Their physicality is much improved this season, and also Oshwala. I mean, I was telling you beforehand, she reminds me of Luis Suarez in her prime, in his prime. Like, the way she bullies the defenders and is just havoc. Like, she's your worst nightmare as a, as a, as a number nine up there, that type of physicality up there. And, man, she just had a really great performance just watching her play make, set players up, 
and just really push that line in that 4-3-3. So it was a really entertaining game. That was my first thought. The second thought, you know, we talked about this as well, is just the attendance again. Really poor job on just trying to promote. You know, the FC Barcelona main account only had one tweet about this game, and it was after the women won. And I don't know, again, we've talked about this. I don't know if there's a mandate that the men's account cannot tweet about the women's account, but that's that's got to change. You know, it's so yeah. dumb. It's so, because again, all they had to do was tweet something on Friday and tweet something before Saturday about going to the to the mini study. And I guarantee they would have had more attendance because these this game, this is study, this is study location, and everything is perfect for families. It's cheaper. You get a chance to see the women. The women are a little bit more interactive with the with the crowd and so forth. And you can really build a following with families as well, you know, especially at this time. This was, I think, a three o'clock kickoff, so it was perfect right after lunch. Bring the kids, bocadillos. You're you're good to go, man. You know, and they again, we we said the stat, the official stat was four thousand, and the stadium holds six thousand. But even when you're watching the match, there were so many empty seats. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, they were peppered all throughout, exactly. and the crowd that was there was excited. I, you know, the highlights I saw, there was a lot, a lot of chanting, a lot of singing, a lot of uh, excitement from the crowd that was there. But yeah, they could have done a lot better to fill all six thousand of those seats. Yeah. And the other thing, too, the big controversy, too, here was uh, Barcelona only uh, streamed it on their YouTube channel and on Barca TV. And so Atleti filed a sanction because they were, they were supposed to show it on local TV, like not just Barca TV. So that's another thing, too. It's just, you know, Barca is trying to be this conglomerate with their media rights and all this stuff. And I get that. But at the same time, you're trying to promote the women, like try to get as much audience, you know, just capture everyone. And again, I, it's just fascinating to me because they're doing a better job here in Spain, obviously promoting the Liga Iradola, but like it's it's still just baby steps, you know, it's still baby yeah. steps. So ways to go. Yeah. So very exciting match from the Barca women. Very disappointing from the club. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were stopping there. <laughs> no, no. No, no, no. I'm just getting started. Particularly because I want to go back to Ashwala for just okay. a second. Because not only is she physical, but she's fast, mm-hmm. like really fast. She's intimidating because she's tall. Yeah, she's got height. She's got skill on the ball. Great finishing. And she has that presence, that physicality to her game. She has a lot going for her, for her as a number nine. For sure. And the other thing, too, is since the other wingers keep their spacing, unlike the men, it opens up so many spaces in behind to have scoring opportunities. I mean, you know, when I played as an attacking forward, I never played this style. It was never my style to play this uh, this physical However, when I did play with another teammate that was that, I loved it because he was going to occupy the space. He was going to do the dirty work. And she does that so well, right? And so the two center backs for Atleti were so concerned with her and she was bullying them. There was one where she just, I don't know, on the first penalty where she kind of just pushed the girl aside and just got the ball. And it's like, wow, where was this fight last year? You know, it just wasn't there. We were always kind of delicate with mm-hmm. how we we handle these situations. We were all, I'm like like I said, especially with Atleti, because Atleti had such a, you know, um, with their record against us, they were always kind of the, the better team, you know? And so this game really breaks that myth. And especially, I think, since it's a newer team, right? It's a lot of new players on the team. I think that also helps too, because they don't have the memories of the last two seasons against Atleti. Right, right. Because Atleti aren't only the current Spanish champions, they've been the Spanish champions for three years now. 
Sure. So they have been the 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 big the big women on the block for, for sure. a while now. But it's nice to see that the Barca women are, you know, really stepping up to them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, you just I mean, you just see the body language of them, uh, especially when they were down one nothing, you know, because one nothing, especially how early Atleti scored, they could have really just tanked it. You know, they could have gone the other way, but they didn't. And again, it's kind of it's very interesting. Like, I wish that we had a player like Oshwala that was really lifting the team because she wasn't going to take it. And she basically set the line and everyone followed. And the midfield had a really good performance. We had really good possession. Obviously, when they were down 10 men, we were just exhibitioning. We were just like, right. ole, 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 who's <laughs> going to score, you know? And that's always fun for the team. But again, you know, this is a really great win because, again, when you beat your rival after you could not beat them in so many chances and to beat them in this way, it's like there's a new guard and there's a new team. And now Atleti has got to be worried because... Their stranglehold on the Liga is not going to be the same. No, not at all. It's going to be much harder for them this year. The Barcelona B team has had their own struggles with the start of the season, and the story of how La Masia has been restructured with the hiring of Patrick Clivert to head up the academy may encourage those lamenting the recent fates of La Masia's products and the B team's results. Here now to tell us more about all of that is Max Bluer. Pep Segura, Barcelona's general manager who was in charge of La Masia, was given his marching orders in July. He carried the can for the club's failure to integrate any youth teamers into the first team in recent years. Before this season, Brian's beloved Sergio Roberto was the only academy player to have established himself as a first teamer in recent years. He made his debut way back in 2010 and still doesn't have an established position yet. Players like Bojan, Cristian Tello and Gerard Delefeo all seemed like they were on their way to stardom at some point before falling along the way. Such state of affairs is unsustainable and at long last, Bartomeu and the board saw that something was going wrong at La Masia, and that it needed a shake-up. Not only were talents failing to break through and establish themselves, but the lack of a pathway to the first team saw some of our brightest stars try their luck away from the club. Jordi Ambula and Robert, Robert Navarro headed off to Monaco, and Sergio Gomez are now at Wesco in the second division, on loan from Borussia Dortmund. All three were big stars within the youth team setup, and their loss was a big blow to the club and to Pep Segura's authority and status as head of La Masia making a sassing almost inevitable. And so the club turned to Patrick Kluivert, and the early signs are encouraging. According to Sport, the Dutchman is making sure to sign the most exciting 14 and 50 year olds to new contracts in an attempt to avoid other clubs turning their heads. But it's not just Kluivert making a difference this year. Ernesto Valverde has shown much greater willingness to put his faith in youth this season. The obvious case is Ansu Fati, who has repaid Valverde's faith in him in spades. And while the manager's hand may have been forced to some extent by injuries, it still takes bravery to give a 16-year-old such a leading role. The other man to benefit from Valverde's renewed trust in youth this season is Carles Perez. After excelling for Barca Bay last year, for whom he scored 9 goals and got 4 assists, Perez has also been thrown in at the deep end. And, although not as spectacular as Fati, has looked right at home. Valverde's trust in these two is a radical change from last season. Now this is pure speculation, but I think the man known in Spain as El Chinguri, or Ant in the Basque language, has come under pressure from the board to play more youngsters. There was much internal debate within the club over the summer as to whether El Chinguri should continue after the debacle at Anfield, and I'm convinced that one of the conditions that the board attached to his continuation in the job was that he blood more youngsters. Should be noted, though, that Valverde's new faith in youth doesn't extend to Carles Elena, who started the first game of the season but was hauled off at half-time and hasn't been seen since. Rumour has it that Elena was on the point of a loan to Betis on the final day of the transfer window, and seeing how little playing time he's getting at the moment, that might not have been such a bad idea. Barca Bay have had several games since we last spoke. A 1-0 loss away to Gea, 
and 2-2 draws against Nastic to Tarragona and the ever-amusingly named A.E. Pratt. That means that Garcia Pimienta's team have won just once in the opening four games of the season. Not an ideal start for a team that really should be near the top of the table, when it can count on the likes of Ricky Puj, Abel Ruiz and Iñaki Peña. In terms of play, the boys dominated all three games, but as is so often the case with youth sides playing against men, they lack the cutting edge in both penalty boxes that their midfield play deserves. Guys like Jorge Cuenco or Ronaldo Araujo experienced Segunda Bay last year and know what it's like, but newcomers like left-back Sergio Iquieme, Ludovic Reis and the boys promoted from the Juveniles will need to adjust as quick as they can to an unforgiving division where chances have to be put away. There is no better example of the unforgiving nature of Segunda Bay than the 1-0 loss away to Ojea. Our boys dominated the game, with Ejea getting nowhere near them, and the goal seemed inevitable. So much so that it seemed as if Barca Bay sat back and waited for it, rather than actively going for the winner. Time passed, with Barca dominating possession but not creating anywhere near enough chances, until Albert Torres popped up for Ejea to slot away the only goal of the game. A real punch to the stomach for the lads, but hopefully a lesson for them too. These results leave Barca Bay firmly stuck in mid-table, and they'll be itching to pick up more points against Villarreal Bay, and Athletic Levante in their next two games. For Barca Talk, I'm Max Bloor. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, take a minute to rate the show, and if you have an extra minute, please leave a review. No matter how you listen, though, remember to subscribe or follow the show so you can always stay up to date with new episodes. Remember the middle of last week when Barcelona got a scoreless draw in their first Champions League match of the year? Well, we broke it down on our Friday episode for our patrons, and that's what you're going to hear now. If you don't want to wait for those midweek match reviews, become a patron for just five bucks a month, and you'll get them while the takes are still hot. Now, here's the talk. Well, let's shift gears and move on to discuss Tuesday's Champions League group stage match against Borussia Dortmund. This was on the road again in Signal Iduna Park. Of course, it was a scoreless draw, but um, on the other side of the same group, Inter and Slavia Prague drew 1-1, so everyone in the group is tied at one point. So everyone is still equal after match day one, which is a little rare. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, you know, I definitely thought Inter was going to be able to get to the points and be leaders of the group after this, especially after we tied. But hey, man, Slavia Prague, right? Remember when they were laughing in the draw? They, they had a yeah. good performance, so good for them. Yeah. Yeah, good for them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so, I mean, the uh, the key stats on this match were, uh, I mean, actually kind of saddening, really, because the possession was 59 for Barca, 41 for, for Dortmund, and the shots and shots on target were kind of sad for both sides because Barca only managed seven shots and only one on target. And Dortmund had 13 shots with four on target. Thankfully, we had a, we had a man between the sticks taking care of business. And they both actually were, like, passing pretty accurately. So, I mean, from a... From a neutral's perspective, it was actually a pretty fun, exciting game if you're okay with with not seeing goals. So, you know, <laughs> or, there was that. Or, or really shots, for the most part. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> On target. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but be- before we really get into this, I just, I don't know it, what you saw. I don't know when you started watching. And for anyone out there listening, if, if you tuned in really close to kickoff, you might have missed this. But I tuned in a little bit on the early side and in the stadium prior to the teams coming out and the lineups and all of that, they were playing You'll Never Walk Alone and everyone in the stadium was singing along in the stadium before the match. And that was some serious trolling. Serious. Did you catch this? Yeah, I did catch it. Because uh, 
you know, if I have time, they'll have the pregame and they'll definitely uh, show the stadium and they do a really good job of that. So, yeah, they were the commentators start talking about it and they were laughing and having a good chuckle. And of course, on Twitter, people were noticing as well. So that's just a really, really good home crowd. I mean, that is <laughs> not only is their are their chants really good. It's a tough place to play, but just those type of things just make that crowd just above and beyond, you know, just doing those little things to really troll other teams. Yeah, well, yeah, they certainly have a sense of humor <laughs> in their trolling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because like, I was um, livid when I heard that. I was so mad. But then when I took a step back, I just kind of I kind of thought, you know, respect. <laughs> <laughs> respect for the troll. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's funny because like Barca didn't come out fired up from it or anything like that. I mean, they definitely heard it. So they're impervious to that. And uh, kudos to the Dortmund crowd for that type of troll, because that is that is that is that is some quality trolling. It really is. It really is. It's not cheap. (laughs) (laughs) Top shelf. Well, let's let's get into this match and starting mainly with several comments that we got from listeners. And let's uh, let's begin by talking about Nelson Semedo. We got this from one of our patrons, Emily Tichich. Uh She says, is it me or is Semedo becoming a weak link in the back? I really like him. He's fast and tenacious, but he seems to get caught up front too often and puts the back in danger. Who do you see in his place? I mean, and Emily, thank you so much for that. And uh, I want to say Danny Alves, circa 2009. <laughs> <laughs> That's who I'd like to see in his place. But seriously, Musawage is due for more time at right back. Every time he played in the preseason, he was faster and better on the ball than Semedo. And he's only been in the squad once so far this season, and he didn't play. Yeah, this is an interesting dilemma because I believe more it's a chain reaction of that whole right side rather than just Semedo being the weak link. You know, I think Semedo is pressing to try to have more of his thumbprint in attacking and when he gets caught he gets caught really bad because there's no help from the midfield and also just with Busquets kind of on the downslide too it's also just this whole chain reaction everywhere you know Uh, again I think it really starts with what are we looking to do as always you know especially on a way we need to be more conservative and be more defensive and again Semedo has to choose when it's optimal to push up you know that is really where he's still struggling to find. Because as we've talked about, you know, long light and PK are still brilliant, but they lack in speed. And as we've seen so many times, when they get caught off them two, it's just a whole chain reaction. Semedo's trailing, Alba's trailing, and we just don't have the discipline and we rely on Ter Stegen to make these glorious saves. It's going to happen where Ter Stegen can make the saves, but in April and in March, when these games are razor thin, we cannot have the same strategy. No, no, sir. I mean, I would argue that we really can't have it right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. And the thing is, it's interesting because it's always going to go back to this. You say Wagu and I, that's fine. Or Sergio Roberto, because I think he has a better possession game. And I think we need that more right now, just to have a little bit more stability and possession and actually making runs down the right side. But whoever we put right now is not the answer. I mean, we have Mm -hmm. faults in each of those players. And, you know, it comes back to the formation and defensive responsibilities by the midfield. Right. Yeah, true. It's not all it's not all on Semedo or whoever's back there. It's a more holistic or at least a whole right sided thing. Sure. 
Yeah. All right. Now, moving on to Luis Suarez, we've got a couple of things about him. Uh, this from another patron, Hamza, who says, Once Dembele is 100% fit, should Luis Suarez be on the bench and Griezmann plays as number nine? Because his performance wasn't very good during the game. Suarez can come for the last half hour and hopefully score two goals every game like he did against Valencia. Se totally separate from that, another one of our patrons, Francis Tony, says, How does EV break the news to Messi that his best buddy can only be a super sub from now on? I was so livid with this selection because, again, don't get me wrong, Suarez has been the best number nine in the last 10 years in the world. He is, he's been amazing with the goal outage, right? But 10 years. Exactly. That's a lot of years. And he's just coming off injury. Right. I don't understand this old school way of thinking of he's the highest paid number nine on the team. He's got to start. Right. Because what effect did he have? How many bad hand passes? I was driving me crazy, Brian, because him out there is like almost playing with a man down. Just in that yeah. game. If you look at the game, right? Because if we look over against Valencia, what were the, some of the things that we highlighted about Griezmann, even though he didn't score? His defensive pressure, his ability to come for the ball and pass and make correct decisions. Suarez does not do that. He's just old now, you know? And he is not as youthful to spring forward and shield the players as much, right? And against Valencia, he got two shots, two goals. That's great. But at the same time, Valencia was not playing as hard as they were in the beginning. I would prefer to have Suarez come in for the last 15 minutes. I think we're going to get the best out of him because ultimately Griezmann being the top point man is going to benefit us way more in the long run of this season, especially defensively and not losing the ball. Yeah, because a fresh Suarez in the 60th or 70th minute versus a tired defensive line at that same point in the game, that's he has a slight edge there. Exactly. But from, but from kickoff... He has an edge at first, but he loses it. I mean, he nosedived from 30 minutes on, right? Yeah. He was walking, barely running, barely doing anything. And again, to me, it's just like you're playing a man down up there. If you're going to, if your philosophy is trying to win the ball back aggressively because of back pressing, you need to have Griezmann up there. Suarez just cannot do it anymore. I would rather have Suarez come for 15 minutes hard, and he's going to be great at that. I mean, that's why I don't understand why he wouldn't be more up for that, and I don't understand why Valverde doesn't go to that. Especially in this match, coming from injury, we get this false sense of security, like he came back because he scored two goals, but those two goals weren't really, he was standing in one, <laughs> and the <laughs> other one, he just happened to be in the run of play, but it wasn't because of his amazing ability to run away from defenders. Right, right, yeah, he's not able to get into spaces the way he once was. I want you to make a note, like when they're mm. playing against Granada this week, how many times he has it back to goal and they pass to him, how many times he waits for the ball compared to when he attacks and goes to shield the ball, especially in this game against Dortmund, against Hummels, whose Hummels is a world-class defender. A bunch of times he waited and tried to use his physicality to wait for the ball and four times out of five, Hummels or the other defender got around him and was able to intercept the ball. Yeah. Now, turning to the subject of uh, Barca's overall style, I'm going to put that in quotes. <laughs> uh, we got this from on Twitter from at Greasy Fever. <laughs> I, I feel like that's another podcast right there. Greasy <laughs> Fever, just all about Griezmann. Uh, like a whole other podcast. <laughs> Not an episode of this one, just a whole other podcast every week. Greasy Fever. So Greasy Fever says, considering how the big teams did on the day, I'm glad we did way better, and Barca did it by putting in a younger team than most big teams that played. 
Let's hope as the chemistry in the midfield builds, the risk-taking from the mids also increases chance creation. You know, we've we've talked about the style, how it continues to deteriorate. We don't have tiki-taka. We don't use the right players in the right position. Again, this game is a, a complete carbon copy of everything that EV is doing wrong when they're just slight adjustments and we get more a better performance from the team as a whole. You know, as we just talked about putting Suarez back in straight from injury against champions. It's I, I just don't get it. It's like, for example, when you come from an injury and then all of a sudden coming into this super pressured game where everyone is playing at their top peak already and you put Suarez out there, it's just we're falling behind. But just talking about the style, again, it's driving me crazy because, you know, what style are we playing? Right. We, you know, it's like we had one shot on goal and we're supposed to be yeah. happy about that. You know, it's no, like we should never be happy about just one shot on goal. Exactly. And I, and I ask you this, Brian, if we were athletic Bill Bow and we did a zero zero tie at Borussia Dortmund, I would be over the moon. Right. Right. I'd be like, oh, my God, great result. We did enough. We held it. We did great. We were scrappy, but again, this is FC Barcelona. We have world-class players. Put them in the right position. What video are you watching prior to matches? What tactical <laughs> advantages are you finding? Again, we talked about this. Finding the, Nemo? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, we talked about this in previous uh, episodes in that in the Champions League, it's a knockout tournament, right? The slightest little thing will throw you out. You have to come up with different things during and before the match just to give you some sort of advantage. It doesn't matter if you are FC Barcelona or Slava Praga. Right, right. And you know who agrees with you about the the, <laughs> the style degradation is is uh, at Donny Carabazzo2 on Twitter. He says, Barca's style degradation corresponds with their performance decline. No transition orchestration, no tempo, no use of space, slow and steady. Why is this board so complacent with giving fans ugly athletic Bilbao football? Not to be too melodramatic, but just add Raul Garcia chopping away at ankles and Barca is there. Is it fair to say in this match that Suarez was the Raul Garcia just like lopping around? And I mean, I'd, <laughs> I, mean I would kind of prefer having Raul Garcia in this match because at least he would give you more effort on defense, you know? Right. I, I, it's still baffling to me because when he was at Athletic Bilbao, he was in a 4-2-3-1 and I'm desperate for him to bring that and he just won't. And again, we don't know if it's a mandate from the board where they just will not allow him to do that. But in this match, a 4-2-3-1 would have been perfect, would have kept us our shape and defense, but also he knows how to coach that. And we would have got more, uh, a better performance from our team, I believe. We're, we are starting to be happy, you know, like Brian, we came out and we, we I would say, quote unquote, started strong, like we didn't give up the early goal. And we're supposed to be happy with that now? Right. Uh, it's like, come on now. Yeah, it does seem like the standards are slowly shifting Correct. towards what athletic bilbao would expect exactly or I mean, the was fans there, of athletic bilbao was there we don't any, want we don't want to let our our priorities creep too much in that direction yeah was there any moment really in that match where it got you excited for a goal scoring opportunity there was that one late late possibility for messi that didn't yeah, work out it didn't but, work out uh, yeah. yeah aside from that i mean there i have to say griezmann i thought still did all of those things that he does well and yeah. he was playing off of Suarez well. He was coming back to defend. He was working hard. We get a lot. We just get so much more work rate out of him. Correct. And he's continuing to do that that kind of thankless job of 
being the guy that other guys bounce the ball off of. I like to compare this to the new NBA to the old NBA. The old NBA used to have a center, a lumbering center in the middle of the of the court, right? Basically, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. O- exactly. Occupying the space, rebounding, doing all the dirty work, right? And now the new NBA is spread. It's moving, it's cutting and so forth. And Suarez is, is not that type of player anymore. I mean, how many times did you watch Suarez make a cut? It's just like there's nothing going on there. You know, he's just and it's not it's it's two things. He's coming from injury and he's older. That knife was dull. <laughs> and the knife <laughs> That's not cutting through yeah. much. <laughs> exactly. And and that's the thing, you know, it's just we had the one scoring opportunity from Messi in the 90th minute and maybe another one in the 60th minute, and we barely did anything. You know, it was yeah. just more kind of just pushing the ball around and doing that. Yeah. But well, the other issue that comes up about Griezmann comes from another listener on Twitter at Jubang, or maybe maybe it's Yubang, might be a soft J, I don't know. Uh, but they're saying Griezmann is a player that fits into a system. Barcelona has no system with EV. So now we have to depend on individual talent to pull us through. So my question is, do you think it would have been better to have bought Neymar instead of Griezmann? Uh, no. 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 I mean, again, this is, it's not, we can't go backwards anymore. We have Griezmann. And I actually... If we're going to pick the two, I would rather have Griezmann in that Griezmann's work rate and defensive pressure is much better than Neymar's. So, again, and like he's, he's also slick on the ball. He yeah, has yeah, finishing. Sure. He doesn't have as much flair Correct. Or, or brilliance as Neymar necessarily. But I don't think that that's absolutely what we need. Yeah. I take I, I get Eubing's point, though, that if your whole strategy is just to rely on individual talent, then the only way to win the only real solution is to get the the most talented players because if that's all you got going on you have to just get the most talented players i mean i definitely agree with this because this is what's happening in the last two to three years under ev where he's not making adjustments he just rolls out what he thinks are top talent and he's not coaching them to put them in the right positions to make adjustments and so there's a lot of credence to this in that you know poor griezmann you know he's playing left and then he has to play center and, you know, it's it's almost like, Brian, you know, what instruments do you know how to play really well? The saxophone. Okay. Well, Here I want you. you to play piano this weekend. No. You know, I know you're you can, not going to enjoy that. Exactly. <laughs> you know how to do it. You're going to get through it, but you're going to yeah. hate every minute of it. And you're not going to, I'm not going to get the best out of you for my band. Right. Right. And more it's, importantly, you're going to hate every minute of it. Exactly. And this is what Evie does with putting Griezmann on the left and starting Ansu Fati on the right wing, which blew my mind. What was he expecting? That's, again, it's it's not putting the players in the best position, you know? I would have rather seen Perez start because he is a right wing. I mean, poor Fati, he's just trying his best, but he's not a right wing. And yes, maybe he's a more talented player than Perez, but you have to put the players in the right positions. And that goes back to you know, just overall rotation as we're going to talk about a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two other quick ones from listeners. This is from at Vivek underscore Kule 10. How should EV slash Barca tackle away goal issues in the Champions League? I mean, does he mean, you know, in this question, does he mean our away goal issues? I, I think so. And yeah. I think what he's basically saying is how do you get just that one goal? Yeah. Well, I mean, let me ask you this. Do you think EV was happy about this result? Anytime that you answer this question, I don't care who you are, unless you know him personally, 
you're projecting. So of course, of I course. understand I'm projecting onto Valverde right now, and I'm projecting onto him that, yes, he's happy with this. I would agree. I think he was doing shots after the game and saying, hell yeah, we got the points. And no, I mean, again, he unfortunately, he's still in the small club mindset where these type of things are victories for him. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, Brian, he didn't lose the game. Right. Right. And he can always point to that. But as we talked about his away record and the away goals, again, it's just if you're going to be super defensive, pitch shutouts. And I'm down with that. But we don't do that. I would rather just go for it, you know, because we're not going to be defensively amazing. So let's just go for it, throw everything at it and let's win four to three. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, let's just, I mean, because if, if you turn it into a shooting contest, if we have the right players up front, we're there more often than not, we're going to win that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of which, our last, last comment comes from at May 687 The question <laughs> is, is Messi, Suarez, Griezmann too slow of a front three? And I just let me say right off the bat, I think that Suarez is too slow in the front three. I think Griezmann has a perfectly acceptable amount of speed, and Messi is not as fast on the long run as he used to be, but he still has such an incredible change of pace. I'm going to disagree with you. I think we are too slow with this mm. threesome. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's just... Controversy. You know, I know. Obviously, with Suarez, you know, we we, we both agree on that. But I just think Messi is definitely a step slower. And, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. for sure. And, you know, in this question, I was thinking about this and I, and I thought, wow, this is a really good question because if you compare, and I know it's really hard to compare because of age, but you compare the Liverpool front three to this front three, I mean, it's just, it's, it's track me for Liverpool. They are all over us on that. And so that's what I would just compare. Now, obviously, we get different set of skills with these front three that other front threes cannot provide. You know, obviously, Messi's brilliance. Griezmann's work rate and his ability, and then Suarez's tenacity, right? But again, as we talked about in the beginning of this, I just believe Suarez just needs to be a second-half sub. I would much rather see Messi, Griezmann, and someone else, whether that be right. Dembele when he's healthy, Fatih, or um, whoever else. Perez. Yeah, Perez. Yeah. Well, I this, so this is my talking point. We haven't He hasn't come up yet, and I think he needs his due from this match, and that's Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. This guy makes four saves, including stopping a penalty kick and even better, catching his own rebound off that save. Yes, he was well off his line and the application of VAR is still a joke in many instances. But, you know, honestly, very few referees would call for a retake in that scenario. That's just one of those weird parts of officiating culture as as I observe it. Also, keep in mind the circumstances of the penalty. Semedo takes down Sancho at the end line. Sancho was not in any kind of scoring position. And the tighter you hold the goalkeeper to the stay on your line part of the rule, the more you're giving the kicker a free goal. So I think the referee might have let it slide a little because Semedo didn't really deny Sancho a clear goal scoring opportunity. And that's just one of that's another one of those projection kind of things. I I feel like a lot of people want the rules to be extremely rigid and highly technical, but the fact is that they aren't. If you look at how they've been applied, even with VAR, it doesn't matter what tools you have, you're still dealing with human beings making these finely shaded and sometimes correct and sometimes incorrect calls. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack on this. First of all, Ter Stegen, 
is, you know, he's been our probably best player of the season so far consistently, oh, yeah. you know? Again, I love the guy. He's amazing. Mr. Barcelona himself. I mean, he's amazing. <laughs> he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. I love him so much. Like he has been one of the best free agent signings we've had in the last 15 years, for sure. Just of the importance he's had, the impact he has, and the assimilation he has adapted to the Barca style as a goalkeeper with his ability to pass. Again, he saved us on that penalty. Again, I would have preferred if they would have retaken it just to not have any debate about this rule. But again, an outstanding save. And how cool was he? When he just got up and just grabbed the ball, like he's just like, yeah, that was the better part. I mean, yeah, sure, you could argue about how far off his line he was and and all of that, but the moment after that, when he catches his own rebound, like that was top class goalkeeping right there, for sure, for sure. And again, he had a bunch of other outstanding saves against Pe- uh, Paco one on one on that save. Again, he was the man of the match for me for sure because he held the the shutout. But again, Brian, um, I hate to beat a dead horse with the rotation, but what is Semedo doing at left back? Well, there weren't any options. Oh, Because really? Furpo's injured. Well, I thought Furpo is not injured. Maybe he's not injured anymore. I can double check that um, in a second. But yeah, um, I can say this. He wasn't on the bench. Exactly. He wasn't on the squad at all. Exactly. And that's what I'm, I'm pointing to, right? Like, I understand Furpo uh, may have been coming from injury, but I believe he is was healthy enough to be on the squad. I'm just baffled by the emergency lack of planning that EV does for these situations. We had three center midfields on the bench. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it, like, it's it's really more about how he stacks his bench. It's very odd. And it, you know, part of it is because I was looking at the at the squad sheet and I, I really think it has a lot to do with the fact that he he cannot accept a bench that doesn't have Vidal on it. <laughs> exactly. He just can't. All right, so in this so match, that means I'll... other guys get left out. And yeah. you're right, Furpo is back from injury. Yeah. Uh, he's he's in the clear. And in fact, I think I saw in the uh, the messy footage of them training just before this match, he took down Furpo on a play. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. So yeah, Furpo was was fit. He could have been on the bench, and he wasn't. Speaking of fullbacks, Wage could yeah. have been on the bench. He wasn't. So let me ask you this: with the 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 bench, for example, you know, you know, Alba gets hurt. Right. Has Alba played every minute so far? Yes. Now, in those home games where we won five to two, why not throw Toadie Boabone in there and just let him play the last 15 minutes and just see what you can get? Because you already have the game in hand. And you're telling me that Toadie isn't fast enough to recover or physical enough? I mean, he gives you other things that Alba doesn't on, the, on that side. And I think he's athletic enough to cover that, you know? Right, and even if he's a little out of position, which he would be, yeah. in that scenario where you already have the game, why not use him to to give Alba a break? For sure. I think he's our most versatile defender to play center back and wings. You know, I think he's, you know, especially in a spot emergency like in this situation, I personally would have felt more confidence with Todibo out there, just what I've seen so far, than having Semedo playing completely out of position on that left side. And again, in this penalty, Brian, there is no reason. I mean, I, (laughs) again, it is always amazing to me on defense, the lack of awareness of where they are on the field and angles. There's no reason to lunge. Like he wasn't doing anything. He was going to pull the ball back and try to go and restart the play. Samedo goes and tries to lunge and take the ball. What is the, what is the gain in that moment? If Samedo wins the ball, all of a sudden it's a rebound and it's a 50-50. So just play good defense, be in front, 
and we have church stake and to see the the shot if it comes through. And you know that's the other thing that I was gonna say earlier about Wage. Uh, I did mention that he 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 is actually a touch faster, I think, than Semedo. Mm. Uh, he's definitely better on the ball. He has more of that you know La Masia action yeah. going on in his play. But also he seem he tends to make better decisions, I think, than Semedo. Semedo sometimes doesn't make the right decision. And this, I mean, giving up the penalty is a perfect example. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. But again, if we go back to this, you know, the bench situation, it's like left back and right back, we need to have a sub for those players because we cannot afford to put a Sergio Roberto on left back. You know, it's completely out of position. You know, like we talked about with your analogy, playing piano. It's just, it's difficult. You know, you can do it. You know, I, rem- I always remember like when I look at this lineup, when I used to play FIFA and I just wanted to play... Uh, that star player on the field, but I would just put him at fullback, mm-hmm. you know, and it would work. It would work, right. but you still lose some points of, you know, what he can do on tackles and stuff like this. And I just don't understand Valverde. What's What about this other one, this other move, taking Busquets out? In the previous three matches, he doesn't take him out. And then all of a sudden the 60th or 70th minute in this match, he takes him out. Like, I don't, <laughs> I, it complete, I, I wrote, I, I tweeted, I just, I was like, I don't understand this guy at all and the reason like, like for example and then he puts Rakitic in the center did he yeah for the first part and then Dijon and Artur start rotating around that but again it's just why didn't he finish this match and not the other match you know like there's right. no there's no strategy Brian like we talked about in the Valencia match take him out with 20 minutes left you would have had a much fresher Busquets but then he takes him out puts Rakitic in and then we're slower so it's yeah. like, what, what, what are we doing here? The best way that I can summarize Val, <laughs> Valverde's um, choices is that they are always, I mean, now that I, you know, after two years now, sure, they're almost always confusing, but also almost always predictable. Yeah. That's not a good combination. It is not think. a good combination. Predictable in that he's always going to the opposite of what you want. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, sometimes he makes an obvious choice, you know putting in a like-for-like player, that sort of sure, thing. It's, sure. Sometimes it's that. But, I mean, honestly, I guess I would say I was a little surprised that he didn't put Vidal in. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, Me too. Me too. Again, we talked about this. Again, Ter Stegen was the man. My last little talking point is the messy quandary because, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about the 4-3-3 and having him not be a full-on right winger is, is a detriment to our team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to the team. Yeah. And... If there's any guy who is all about the team, mm-hmm. it's messy. Yeah. If you sit him down and you have a, an honest talk with him about how you see him being able to help the team and you say, if you're over, you know, stay out on the right, this is going to be the best thing for the team. He will do it. Yeah. I mean, again, when he came into the game, the same thing happened again. We had no balance on the right, too much traffic up the middle, everyone trying to find Messi. And trying to have Messi save us. Mm-hmm. And that's just not a good recipe, especially in these tight matches when you have really quality defense that knows how to play against him. If you want him to be the playmaker, put him in the middle, but you have to put someone on the right. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, or have him as the right wing, but don't allow him to come back to the ball because he once he comes back to that ball, everything's void. And that left back did not have to do anything for 25 minutes. And that's not good. Not good, yeah. <laughs> That's that's my that's my bombshell of a conclusion on that. As my as my friend would say, that's good not. Good. good <laughs> not. Real quick, uh, quick fire Champions League roundup. PSG over Real Madrid. Uh, great performance from PSG. Three 0 Two goals. 
from former Real Madrid player Angel Di Maria. So really quick, obviously here in Madrid, Brian, they are panicking big time because Zidane said it was lack of intensity. But if you watch, I watched the match, it's not that. It's lack of tactics, lack of talent, old players, and I love it so much. It's <laughs> yeah. so great because not only did they treat Navas horribly, you know, and Navas got his little mini revenge in this match, but man, they have a big problem because one thing I've, you know, just from watching Real Madrid with Zizou, they are not a tactical team with him coaching. And that is one thing he has to do. And you know what he did today after their amazing performance? Hmm. He gave him the day off. Yeah. You know, they earned it. They, they deserve it. You know why? Because they exhausted all their intensity last night. Sure, sure. Even though there wasn't nearly enough of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, next up, Valencia beats Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. 1-0 with a goal from Rodrigo in the 74th minute. Andy West tweeted, Wow, Valencia did not see that one coming. Huge kudos to the players. Hope Mr. Lim gives them a big, fat win bonus. Yeah, this was a good good win for a La Liga team. You know, I, whenever I watch neutral uh, Champions League and there's a La Liga team, I'm always rooting for them because I always like them showing up. And this was a really nice goal by Rodrigo. They got the good result. And the interesting thing in this match was the Chelsea late penalty kick that was taken by Ross Barkley where... He basically took the ball away from one of his teammates and they had a little bit of a fist fight and then it got saved. So, <laughs> and again, Sillison is a really good goalkeeper, man. He is really good on penalty kicks and he, he proved again on this one. Yeah, yeah. And he made, he made a good, uh, good move going to Valencia. Uh, you know, had he stayed at Barcelona, he wouldn't have seen a single minute yet. All right, next up, Atletico come back against Juve for a 2-2 draw. So this was an interesting match because Juve got dominated the whole match and they had two shots two goals <laughs> wow. so yeah so very efficient but again the one thing that Simeone has done this season that he hasn't done in prior season is using the bench and completely adjusting the tactics to go for points he did this uh, a couple weekends ago in La Liga where they came back as well and in this match they came back they scratched and clawed they got the late goal from Herrera so that was a really good match I, you know the thing Brian I have multi-champions channel, which is like kind of like the red zone channel for the NFL, mm. where they just flip around the, the, the games. And whenever there's a goal, they go back one minute before, so you can kind of see the buildup of play. And it's amazing because you never miss a goal and you just get a really good at, uh, feeling of each match because they're just going through five minutes of each one, basically. That's tight. All right, next up, Tottenham start fast and tie with Olympiacos. Yeah, Tottenham, uh, you know, they're one of those teams that, you know, everyone loves to talk about that they're going to do well in this tournament. They started off 2 nothing, Brian, and they gave up the tie on the 2-2. Two to two. So Ooh, not the best start. too. Exactly, exactly. It's not the best start you would want. I mean, they got the points, but at the same time, they could have had three instead of one. And that's a huge thing because Tottenham is one of those teams where I think, you know, especially from what happened last year in the final um, you know, you want them to kind of, they, well, especially their fans, they want them to pull through. And again, it's so difficult, Brian, in sports to go to a final of a championship, lose and repeat. It's the hardest yeah. thing. Oh yeah. So hard. Uh, speaking of finalists from last year, Napoli beat Liverpool to nothing. 
Yeah, this was a bit of a surprise just because obviously Liverpool are the returning champions. And again, another hard thing in sports is to return as champions as well, especially in this tournament. Uh, This was at Napoli. I watched parts of this match. Napoli had uh, two late goals. And yeah, but I think Liverpool will be fine because they have such a certain identity of the way they play. But one thing, Brian, they cannot afford any injuries to their back line or their front three. If anything of that happens, they're going to really suffer this year because as we've seen with Man City, uh, with their center back that's going to be out for a couple months, they are lacking in defense. So Liverpool just has to, they have a lot of games they're going to play and they don't have the deepest bench. Mm. Well, I mean, that's what we thought last year going in and bench players came off in that semifinal and I mean, they gave it everything they had. So sure. I, mean, I think if nothing else, they do have a very good motivator in Klopp and sure. a good tactician. For sure, for sure. But you know, if Van Dyke misses a month or five weeks, or Allison misses four weeks, all of a sudden that's a whole different team, you know? And right. in the Premier League with how physical it is, that could happen, you know? So it's always, you know, it's, remember, that's one of the other things that's really hard to repeat is to be injury-free again and have everything go right. Become a patron of Barca Talk to get an enhanced listening experience. Double the weekly episodes, no calls to action like this one, and no commercials plus bonus content, all for $5 a month. Find a link in the notes for this episode or go to the support page at barsatalk.net to sign up for the patron experience. So we put this on the back burner earlier on in the episode. Let's let's bring that up to the front of the grill and fire up this talk. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. This was La Liga match day five against Granada, of course, in the Nuevo Los Carmenes. It was, as you probably know, a 2-0 loss. And like we mentioned, you know, come Sunday morning, Granada were at the top of the La Liga table while Barca were sitting in eighth place. Just to run down some key stats, because these will this will tell you some things about this match if you didn't actually watch it. Barca had a lot of the possession, <laughs> 73.6%, but only eight shots and only one of them were on target, while Granada took nine shots and four of them were on target. Yeah. And even though Barcelona's pass accuracy was in the high 80s and Granada's was in the low 60s, it really comes down to that shots and shots on target stat that I think tells most of the story. And of course, there's the the two nothing scoreline. Real quick, what I want to do is to begin with is analyze the bench because the the starting 11 was uh, pretty expectable. Obviously, Ter Stegen in goal. Firpo starting in, at left back because Alba's injured. Longley and PK again as center backs, Semedo at right back, and then the midfield, De Jong, Rakitic, Sergio Roberto, which I think is a combination we haven't quite seen yet. And then up front, we had Griezmann, Suarez, and Perez. But on the bench, we had Neto, Todibo, Arthur, Vidal, Busquets, Fati, and Messi. So to break that down, that's one goalkeeper, one defender, three midfielders, and two forwards. So to me, that bench implies a lack of confidence in the starting midfielders and forwards. Yeah, I mean, let's let's dissect this starting lineup. Like you said, <laughs> for post-starting was expectable, especially with Alba's. But again, um, for me, the long lane PK, you know, they've played a total of 540 of the possible 540 minutes so far. Right. And again, as we talked about rotation and so forth, I'm not saying Todibo would have done better than Longley or PK, okay? But I do know one thing. He'll be fresh, 
and he'll try. And that makes a big difference, especially in this type of match. You know, we just look slow in the back, with especially with Longley and PK. And again, the midfield, Brian, I don't understand what is going on here. What is what is going on here? It's like uh, Dijon went up to Rakitic. Hi, nice to meet you. We're going to play for the <laughs> first time. And it looked like that. I mean, how many times we have sloppy passing? The movement was off. Everything. And you could say, okay, they're going to play for the first time. Let them ride it out. But again, as we always talk about, what is our overall goal? Are we trying to attack? Are we trying to defend? Are we trying to possess in a way? And to me, you have almost the same players, Dijon and Rakitic, in that they're not the most dynamic midfielder, right? They're a little bit slower, more physical, and that, right? And so, and then Sergio Roberto, again, was missing from the match. Like, he did not make an impression at all. And... To me, if we don't have Artur in the match, it is, it's a huge, I mean, you can see the difference. We have no, as we call him, the metronome. We have no tempo passing, and we just look lost. And especially, Brian, it's been raining here in Spain for the last couple days, and that field was sloppy. And when it's sloppy like that, it's really difficult to have precision passing. Sure. And, you know, I'm, I don't necessarily have a problem with the midfield, even though it was uh, a new midfield, a new combination. Uh, I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but what you need to have is a system. Mm. You you know you need some some really clear uh, a clear systematic approach to to how it's gonna how it's gonna work. And I just don't believe that it's there. It's not. I mean, maybe Valverde thinks it is, and maybe he's trying to train that, and maybe he's spending time on the training ground doing things that he believes are 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 working that. But I don't see the results. No, it's on not. the field, it's not. And again, we're going down the same path with what we did with Coutinho. Is we're putting Griezmann in left wing. I mean, we spent 120 on both players, and and this trend right now with Griezmann, we're going to ruin his career as well. I mean, because right. he's a world class player. There's no denying that he's a World Cup winner. He has proven at Atletico where he was the man scoring goals consistently and at Real Sociedad. So there's no denying his output and his production. But to put him at left wing and to start Suarez again is just mind-boggling to me, especially what did Suarez do besides clog up the whole middle? (laughs) Right. You know, he is not holding the play and he's not making runs. So what's the point? What is the point, you know? Like I told you in the last episode, it's like we're playing a man down. Yeah. Because if you have someone that is not, especially a number nine, a number nine that is not making those diagonal runs or pinching those center backs like that or posting the play, holding the play or going for headers, he's useless, completely mm-hmm. useless. And Griezmann is trying his best, his damn best. Yeah. But at the same time, again, like I told you, Brian, if you're out of position, you, you can only do so much. You're just not. He's always, 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 always been trained and played up the middle because that's where he's the most effective. So I don't understand why we spent 120 to put him on left wing. Is it just for like a side piece, you know? And then all of a sudden we do all these rearrangement at halftime. Fati, Griezmann on the right wing now. We keep Suarez and we... It's a debacle. Our system is a nightmare. Valverde just rolls out players. And the other thing too, Brian, is like with Firpo. Yeah, he made a really bad mistake, you know? And possibly you can say on that play, Long Lake got fouled and they should have called it. But just let Firpo finish the game, man. Like... Mm-hmm. We need to get his confidence up. And now what are we going to do? You just take him out at halftime, and now you've ruined him. And now we're going to play Semedo, who's a right back at left back. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So that, there's a lot to unpack. I know. There. Sorry. Let's I, go. <laughs> <laughs> you you essentially went through I almost know, all of my talking I points. Know. Sorry. In, sorry. In what, no, that's great. It's just gonna be one of those one of those I episodes. Just, <laughs> I just I just got like so much in my head right now, just listening and just watching, and I'm just. I'm just fed up with it just because, you know, yeah. it's just so frustrating because we have world-class players and it's just, you know, like I told you, it's it's putting the the saxophonist and playing him piano. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is what I get for taking it off the back burner and putting it on the front <laughs> burner. It was bound to boil over. Right, and it did. So let's simmer it down a little bit. All right, all right. Let's simmer down. And... Uh, let's go back to this this first thing that I was mentioning, because Valverde has done this a couple of times now, and he seems to be doing it with an alarming frequency in this season, which is making significant changes at the half. I mean, that's something that should really only happen rarely in a very unexpected emergency kind of situation, right? There's that. But also just the way he's stacking the bench, I think, is really, really off. Uh, sure, you got to have one goalkeeper because you never know, right? Hopefully sure. that goalkeeper is not going to have to come off the bench. But, uh, you know, God forbid something uh, horrible essentially happens to the goalkeeper, either an injury or a red card. You need a goalkeeper on the bench. So Neto's on the bench, fine. One defender in Todibo. And you mentioned how Longley and PK have both played 540 minutes out of a possible 540 minutes. Todibo has played zero. So I can't help but feel like that could be balanced out a little bit better. Maybe Longley or PK should be starting on the bench. I don't know. May maybe not in this game, but probably in this game. Why not? Todibo, yeah. like you said, he'll go out there. He'll be fresh and he will try. And Todibo is really good. Yeah. So I don't see what the problem is with playing him. But the main thing for me is you got three midfielders and then two forwards on the bench. Arthur, Vidal, Busquets all on the bench. And again, Valverde just cannot imagine a squad that doesn't involve Vidal. I know. <laughs> he just, he can't let himself do that. Meanwhile, Carlos Alenia has seen, like, no time since yeah. the first match. Hasn't even been on the squad more often than not. Yeah. Right? And then Fatih and Messi. Meanwhile, Perez and Suarez are starting. And, yeah. by the way, Griezmann has also played those 540 minutes as well. Yeah. So maybe yeah. he could use a break, actually. Yeah. But I mean, it's just it just seems really indecisive, actually, and particularly showing a lack of con a lack of confidence in the midfielders by by having so many midfielders and not having it bal balanced out on the bench. Just like why hasn't Musawage been on the bench? Why hasn't he been in the squad? Get him in there because again, he's every time he played in preseason, he looked great to me. He looked fantastic at right back. Again, it's just we don't have the midfield for a four three three anymore. That's just the plainest, I mean, that's the fact, you know? And I don't know why he won't deviate from that 4-3-3 because imagine if we're in a 4-4-2, then all of a sudden our, our midfield looks a lot stronger. But again, like you said, it's telling that he just makes these drastic changes not once, twice, three times already, it seems like, you know, just coming in with two new players at halftime. And again, it's like, why don't you address those at the beginning of the match before, yeah. you know? He doesn't have to put Messi. You know, I get the whole Messi thing because he's coming off injury. But let's say just start Fatih, Perez, and Griezmann. I think that would have been a really good starting point. You have two clear wingers and an active, healthy number nine. Right. <laughs> you know? Uh, so, again, it's to me, it's always about Valverde just kind of 
thinking that the talent is over going to override the tactics whenever he's playing La Liga. Right. Which is so strange because for years he he managed an athletic Bilbao side that had well, I mean, over the time that he was managing, it went through phases mm. of talent and how much talent they have and stuff. But it seemed to me that for, for so long, his entire time there, he always had to rely on on tactics, on a yeah. system. And it's like he gets here and it seemed like the, his first season, he had a system and he we did. didn't necessarily love it. Yeah. But he had one at least. And, and I think the only beef that we had with it was that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a 4-3-3. And now looking back, if we ever criticized that, I think we were absolutely in the wrong. Correct. I'd agree. I'd agree. I'd agree. We were in the wrong, you know, because we were we were stubborn at that time because we still had the midfield to really attack a 4-3-3 because Iniesta was still there, even though he was on the twilight of of his Barca career. But, you know, I'm I'm willing to accept that. I wish that he would go back to playing a 4-4-2 sometimes, you know, especially now at these tough matches at Osasuna and Granada, which I can't believe I'm saying, you know, I would have loved to seen a 4-4-2 and be more conservative because at least we're in the game longer, you know? All of a sudden, we're down one nothing after two minutes. And in Osasuna, the same thing. Vio the lead last year. It just seems we give up these early leads because either we're not geared up for it, but also we just have too many gaps all over, all over the field. I mean, you just see it on the counters. We're just too much space, you know? And yeah. we need to cover that up with a different formation. Right. So uh, let's talk about Furpo because he really did furp it <laughs> on that play, but he's two minutes into the first match he's playing after coming back from injury, having only played nine minutes before this. After that, he started to get more and more into the game. And sure. even though you know he was taken out at halftime, I think that he would have gotten more and more into the match had Valverde sure. just left him on. He would have ultimately ended the game better than Semedo in that sure. position, I think. For sure. I... You know, this is the thing too. Yeah, he made a he made a mistake. You know, great. But if I were to you know tell you that Furpo made a mistake, one nothing, all of a sudden that's game over for us. That sh- that should never be the mentality. I mean, right. with, especially with Barca's attacking talent and so forth. Yeah, he made a mistake, and yes, he did get better. He got his you know, especially in the last couple minutes of the first half. And yes, he's he's not going to wow you with his play and so forth. But also, this is basically his first game. Uh, playing since injury and since last season. So you just put him in there. He did make a mistake. But again, I would have rather just seen him play it out and keep that sub in your pocket. You know? And again, I, you know, it's so funny how he is so quick to pull the plug on Furpo. And who was the other Barca B player that he annexed basically after the Copa del Rey? Oh, Juan Miranda. Juan Miranda, right? He's so quick to pull those guys and say, oh, you're not good enough to play in my system. But then he rolls out Suarez, for example, and lets him play 20 games in a row without scoring a way goal in Champions League, for example, right. you know, or just his latest form right now, you know? Yeah. You have to not be so biased. You know, Furpo is important because he is the backup. I know there's a talent discrepancy between him and Alba. I know that. But putting Semedo over there is not the solution. I'm sorry. It's just no. not, you know? Yeah, and, and, and he's been doing that so often. Like, why does... Why does that seem like the, exactly. the best possible idea for him? I don't I don't know. I don't know. It's like it's like Furpo's been playing left back his whole life. <laughs> you know, he yeah. knows the spacing and everything. And Semedo has been playing right back. And all of a sudden you, you switch them. Yeah, they're gonna be serviceable, but 
you just miss that that comfortability that FERPA would have being over there with the spacing. He needs the time. And I don't understand why he's just so willing to put Semedo over there and not let Furpo develop and gain his confidence. Imagine, you know, let's say he, he plays the rest of the 90 and he he plays defensively well, you know. Then all of a sudden he learns from his mistake. I'm sure he went at halftime and said, sorry, guys, that's my fault. I, you know, whatever. And it's fine, you know. Everyone makes mistakes. No one's impervious to that on the team, especially now, you know. Everyone, and there's not one player that you can say except Ter Stegen that's like completely playing off the grid right now right right yeah so i got nothing against Furpo. um you know he made a mistake it was he's young he but that's also the good thing about it is that he's yeah. young and he is coming back from injury but he's going to be ultimately more fresh you know is he the next alba no no but that is not but you know he played well at at betty's you know there's yeah. a reason that we got him on the other hand the whole the everything that's been happening the last few years at in both the fullback positions is pretty irritating because are we really better off with Furpo than we would have been if we had just held on to Dina right now? Yes. Would we be are we better off? Yes, we are. You think so? Yeah, yeah. I think that because if you keep if you keep churning that backup left back position, you you know, oh, oh first it was Dina and for some reason he wasn't good enough. To back up Alba, so let's sell him to Everton. Now let's bring in Furpo. Who's next? Oh, I thought. Wait, I thought you said, are we better off holding on to Dina? No, I'm oh, saying. Oh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Are we better off with Furpo than we would have been if we'd have just held on to Dina? Gotcha, Dine? gotcha, gotcha. No, no, definitely Dina, Dina. But the thing is, you know, with EV not making the the substitutions and and and, and know, just rotation players, yeah, the rotations and developing players, you know, that's it, it's here or there now, you know. Uh, to me, I just wanted to see Furpo finish the game because right. he needed it for his confidence. And now, what do you, what do, you do now? He's going to go put Semedo on left back now for the rest of the remainder of Alba's injury? I mean, yeah. man, it's just... That can't... That cannot stand, man. It cannot stand. It cannot stand. He's trying to figure out right back in the Barca system, you know, let alone go to the left back, you know? Right. Meanwhile, and uh, I don't feel too <laughs> bad saying this. I'm, I'm over Semedo right now. Get yeah. Wage in there. Yeah, I know. I, I get him more I, starts. I could tell in the last three weeks how you've been trending towards Wage. I think if we if we did like a keyword search of Wage in our episode <laughs> notes, it's been increasing every week. So no, I'm, well, I'm definitely just, he's on the squad. I'm not, you know, I'm not making yeah, yeah. any. I mean, if we were to look out at the whole marketplace, maybe there'd be a a more exciting right back that we could sign. Sure, but sure. Transfer no, window is closed. Wage is on the squad. He's getting zero minutes. He's young. He's fast. He's smart. He came through La Masia. He knows what's going on. I know. I know. Let him I'm, play. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. But unfortunately, Valverde doesn't want to take a chance with that. So he and also he just doesn't like developing players. So right. this is the, he loves ruining careers more than anything. So uh, you know, again, this is the most. He likes frustrating. to take destructive chances. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But this is the most frustrating thing because. When you see the starting lineup, it's just, you're just kind of, what, what, where, what kind of, and that's your first reaction. And then, like you said, looking at the bench and how he figures. And then again, just, <laughs> you know, Vidal as a sub. I mean, I just, I just can't get over this player because he's just not a Barca player. Not, and it has nothing to do with the way he looks or the way he's, it's just as a midfielder, I want someone more technical that can pass and move. That is mm -hmm. all. That is what I want. You know, mm -hmm. I want more Arturs more than I want more physical because right. that is the that's the difference between Barca and other professional teams. Right. 
And I understand that Valverde, again, can't imagine a squad without Vidal on it because he wants that. He wants at least one physical midfielder who's going to yeah. really, you know, get in there, be physical. And if that's what he feels is needed, and I I think he feels that's needed way more often than you or I do. Yeah. But that's his call as the manager. I get that. But you look at the results, right? Vidal comes on. And then two minutes later, he gives up a penalty kick, handling the ball in the box. And yeah. even under the old uh, rule, ball handling rule, that would have been a penalty. So you sure. can't even blame the new rule changes on that on that law for, for giving up that penalty kick. And that's what you get with, with a player like Vidal. For sure. And again... Even though we had, I can't, I, you know, it's always baffling to me because after a loss lately and we have all that possession, I didn't realize we had that much possession because it didn't seem like it. No. It just seemed like it was just uneventful possession, you know? Again, when Vidal came in, he, he's just not a player for the 4-3-3. Again, I cannot stress this enough. He is not there. And again, I I don't understand, you know, our, our idea. And the thing, too, in the press conference after Valverde was like, yeah, we dominated the game. <laughs> like, in what, what sense he, i don't know what he's watching i yeah. just like i don't understand and in the press conference you know valverde was asked five questions and the five questions were about how he felt about the game no one really asked him tactical questions i would have loved if someone asked him you know why are you putting griezmann on the left why is suarez still starting why did you take out Furpo in the halftime? Because I want to know these answers more about instead of what he feels the temperature of the locker room was, because that's the type of questions they were asking. And then also yeah. Suarez was asked after the game because they pick a player always after the game. And he was asked the same type of questions. Um, you know, what was the temperature of the team and so forth? And he's just like, you know, obviously the same players speak, you know, one day at a time. We have to band together. We got to regroup and we got to try. And we have to be autocritica, you know, right. <laughs> just like. <laughs> of course, you know, who who better to criticize you than yourself, you know? <laughs> right, right. And and he's like... Don't even bother. I'm already my own worst critic. Correct, correct. Worse than you, right? And I've uh, used that excuse many a time in life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, again, I don't see any changes coming in the future to be positive to think about. And, you know, again, this is just going to be a roller coaster season with spots of wins and losses like this and lack of direction yeah i mean the there's i don't think there's any way around it at this point i mean the, there's just it's just going to be a, a tough season it's going to be up and down and we'll probably do better at home than we will away things could still pick up they could still improve you know uh once dembele is back from injury once messi is more up to speed that might affect things i think Fatih is going to continue to see time and i think ultimately he's going to I think Perez is going to get sent sure. back to Barca B eventually yeah. when Dembele is back, but I do think Fatih might be here to stay, and he's just going to leapfrog Barca B altogether and maybe get a first-team contract. Uh, but this season, just with these results, we're already in such a, a difficult position that I don't see how it's not going to be a tough season. For sure, for sure. And it's going to be really tough to watch as well because we're just lacking that Barca style, you know, the fun style of play, the more than one shot after 80 minutes style of play. <laughs> that, yeah, that, yeah. You know, I can think of two managers who are on the market right now. Yeah, I know. Tell me. Who did tell me. Who did well with their <laughs> their last team. So I'm just saying if if there if people start waving the white hanky, I think that there are guys who are just sitting at home right now. All right, hit me. Well there's there's Setien obviously yeah. of Betis. 
And now that Marcelino's been let go by uh, Peter Lim from Valencia, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think he is particularly good for for Barca no. necessarily, but I don't know. Setien He's not Valverde. Setien would be because at least, yeah, you know, with his attacking style, it would obviously be more aesthetically pleasing to watch. But also, we have enough defensive talent to cover up defensive or lack of defensive strategy that he would uh, implement. So. But again, it would be so much fun to watch that because he would just open that up. It would be almost kind of like a run and shoot type of offense in football, you know, just kind of five wide and let him go, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's going to be interesting in this next home match, you know, how we perform if the white hankies come out. That's a good point. I, I totally forgot about that, because if the white hankies start to come out this this Tuesday, you, Valverde could not see the end of the season. But my hunch is that he's going to last the season. Yeah, well, again, that that just comes back to the board uh, because this board is much more concerned with uh, the the financial aspect to running the club. They're more interested in stability and controlling the things they can control, and essentially making their case to the the socies in terms of dollar, well, euros, <laughs> in terms of <laughs> profits, right, rather than results. That's definitely a, a secondary concern for them. So if they're making money, they're happy and they don't like to do anything that would be construed as impulsive. They're like a they're like an aircraft carrier, you know, <laughs> whereas Peter Lim is like, um, I don't know, a skittish bird. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Valencia is a very different situation from Barcelona right now because of this this current board. And there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, that has sure. a that has a lot of benefits to it, you know, some um, some sort of deliberative body that's focused on essentially kind of like returning investment for the exactly. members, even even though they're not shareholders, they pay yeah, a, yeah. you know they pay an annual dues and they never see that again. It's not like they get a dividend at the end of the year, but at least Bartomeo and his board can say we've done this for the club. Aren't you proud? Give us a for cookie. Sure. <laughs> right. And we've done this financially rather than we won these trophies. They don't like to ride the wave of the, you know, the inconsistencies of sport, which are natural. For sure. That's a good, really good point. The return of investment, because that's what it really is for for that for them to show that, you know, again, think about the the last transfers we've done of how much they've cost and they haven't really worked out. So, I mean, like, for example, Coutinho and so forth. And it has not crippled the team financially, which is something to say. So. Again, it's it's amazing how much money they're turning over there. They're their own money factory. And I just read, um, I think today or yesterday, that Facebook is starting a new app with FC Barcelona, like a subscription app. Yeah. And so again, it's gonna. They're just a money machine over there. And so, like you said, really good point. Like they are just steady, right? Of just making money, and right. they are the most successful board financially in Barca's history, and that is something to say. Now on the football side. Not so much, but yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> so I mean, and I'm not uh, taking this position, but I'm saying if you're if you're someone who really wants things to change at Barcelona, like you really believe that, and you know, I'm a little on the fence. There's some things that I don't like that I would like to see changed. I don't know how hard I'm going to fight for that right now. I am definitely in more of a uh, wait and see kind of position. But if you're out there and you're thinking I really want X, Y, and Z things to change right now, then you should organize with other people who feel the same way and you should do everything you possibly can 
to eat into the club's profits. Yeah. Because that is where you're yeah. going to actually uh, affect change. Again, sure. I'm not at, I am not, not, not advocating for that. Yeah. I'm saying if you advocate for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> not for you, sure. Gabriel. Anyone yes, who's listening. <laughs> want to be absolutely clear here. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, the, the, the hardest thing is, you know, since we are not soces, it's really hard to really have an influence anyway. I would say the second uh, closest thing is the penas, the official penas to, to mount something uh, if they're really disappointed or unsatisfied with the way the team is being run. They can do stuff because uh, with that partnership and the money that goes in between, especially American penas. But again, maybe I maybe buy just one less jersey. Yeah. <laughs> one less one less scarf, you know, for sure, for sure. Or just get sure. your penas scarf because that's just their own thing. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's it's my you know people today were asking me on Twitter you know do you see Valverde getting fired this week and I just said no like no especially after the Liverpool he survived that that was the opportune time to fire him in May and just clean break it new season new coach again we've talked about it. the last coach that was fired mid season by Barcelona was Van Gaal and that was yeah. 2003 and that was a very volatile time in Barca's history and in the transition and all that stuff with the board and so forth so. To me, I, I I don't see him getting fired. So you just it's a it's a reality. So you just have to face it that he's gonna be there the whole season. The match we saw last night, we're gonna see that more often than not on the road. Yeah. And we're gonna have spouts where we win a five two match. But we our defense is awful. We're going to give up a lot of goals this season. And if it weren't for Ter Stegen, there would be even more goals. Yeah. And hopefully some of these other players who've seen zero minutes so far will see some. Yeah, we'll see some. Preferably I mean, we, in La Liga, if you ask exactly. me. Because we know that they're going to play in Copa del Rey. But For let's, sure. let's get them into those league matches. For sure. I mean, the thing is, you know, we brought in Firpo. We brought in Todibo. We don't know these players at all. I mean, we've only seen glimpses. And if they're good enough to be brought into Barca, they have to be good enough at some point, at some right. level. And they just have to be serviceable, you know, especially for a spot start, you know. Unfortunately, Firpo didn't have a good start. The great tweet that I saw last night. Uh, I need Junior Furpo to be Senior Furpo. <laughs> <laughs> I need it like that. <laughs> yes, that's good. <laughs> but again, you know, it's it's about, you know, being a manager at Barcelona is super difficult. Not only the stress, the coverage, all that stuff, but, you know, in a football world of that, you know, just developing players, managing players, getting the results having the fortitude to look at long-term management and short-term management. There's so many things to go. And I feel as though he's one man doing it by himself because I don't see the collaboration of his coaching staff on the bench and so forth. And I think it's a very small-time mentality where he still believes that the star players have to be the star players and they have to play every match. Mm -hmm. And that's just an old way of thinking. So all these things put together, we're just going to see repeat performances of last night. So unfortunately, yep. you're just going to have to to watch that and hopefully we're going to get some better results and some more attacking hopefully our midfield gels a little better with the attacking and i really i think the biggest keystone for this season to be a better season is griezmann because if griezmann can get his 20 to 30 goals then that's going to be a huge difference for us but if he's wallowing on left wing for one half and then right wing on the other half it's another career that's going to be ruined at barcelona yeah, well, you know, I would I would say I'm looking forward to Tuesday's match, but um, <laughs> I will say that I know that Tuesday is going to happen, 
Yeah. <laughs> and I and I will watch that match. And of <laughs> course, too. we'll talk about it here on the next episode of Barca Talk. Thanks to Max Bluer this week. Barca Talk is a production of Sounded Media, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing and post-production by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Two Point Go. Until next time, Bisca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.